0: This episode, number 67 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Hey, I'm grateful that you are joining the conversation and inviting me into your business, your life, and allowing me to share this time with you and us have this conversation together. I want to pause and ask you before we get into the conversation what are you grateful for in this moment? And will you pause a moment and just express something? You know, I'm the type of person that if I were responding to this, I'd say it out loud wherever I was. And, you know, and sometimes people look at you weird if people are around, but you're probably somewhere alone. What are you grateful for in this moment? It doesn't matter as much the the size of what you're grateful for. It can be something big. It can be something small. What's important is that you're grateful and that you're pausing to express gratitude. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to know so many purpose-powered business owners and to help you on your journey. Did you catch the new intro to today's podcast? Purpose is transforming the world of work and business And my desire is to see many more businesses transformed by purpose and the businesses that are being transformed to see that transformation occur on even greater and grander scales for it to just be complete in that transformation, which we know is a journey. In our last episode, we explored some of the characteristics of purpose-powered business owners and entrepreneurs. And I was helping you understand because I've met so many people who truly are purpose-powered, but that's a unique phrase to them, and it's not a phrase that they would necessarily apply to themselves. But if you are purpose-powered, I want to make sure we're connected and that we're connecting. If you're on LinkedIn and we're not yet connected there, please reach out to me. You can just search for Kevin Monroe. You'll find me on LinkedIn. And I'd love to know how I can help you flourish in your business through purpose so a question i'm asked from time to time is what's different about business when it's grounded in purpose you know i'm tempted to always answer that by saying everything and and some people might roll their eyes if i were to say everything i think about the time i used that phrase in europe and some folks said you americans you always exaggerate everything And I'm like, everything? And yet I know there's some people that would roll their eyes and say, everything? My response is everything. Now, sometimes the differences are small or subtle, yet other times they're seismic in size. But regardless of the size, purpose always makes a significant difference in how you and I approach business. So in the weeks ahead, I hope we're going to have More of these conversations and explore these differences, including both the concepts as well as the application of the concepts that we're talking about. And that's what I want to do today. I want to drill down a bit and begin exploring one particular area of difference. And help you as you begin to develop this, if this is an area that you've not yet developed, or maybe even prod your thinking to think about it a little bit differently. And again, some of this is stimulated by conversations I've had in recent weeks. One of these was on the Construction Leading Edge podcast with Todd DeWalt. I was a guest on his show. We spent time talking about purpose, culture, values, And that stimulated conversations, some with folks I know, and some with listeners of the podcast that reached out to follow up. And that stimulated my thoughts. And I want to have this conversation with you today. I believe purpose-powered businesses have a unique culture. Now, I also believe that every organization has a culture. Most are clueless about their culture. They have a culture by default. They've not designed that culture in any way, but culture still happens. Purpose-powered business owners recognize the power and the privilege of designing a culture and letting that culture be an expression of their purpose to the world. Now, if you study culture, which I do, and maybe you do as well, or if you just observe company culture, which I believe we all do at some degree, you begin to recognize or realize that culture is the only real competitive advantage an organization has. Others may attempt to copy everything you do, the products you sell, even how you position those products, but they cannot copy your culture. So it really is your only true competitive advantage. So the way we're going to approach this today is a little bit different. I'm going to get the ball rolling, talk about the concepts some, then I'm going to introduce Hagen-Kern, I'll introduce him more in a few minutes, and he's going to share the journey they are on in his business in putting these concepts to work. So we're talking about culture, and specifically we're talking about values. Now, I happen to believe that the values are the bedrock of culture. Values are the bedrock of culture, the foundation. Most of the CEOs in businesses I know and am privileged to work with, they know, they understand that their culture is unique. As a matter of fact, if you're the founder of the organization, you're the owner of the business, you probably understand that your culture is the secret sauce of how you do business. And many times when there are periods of dramatic growth or rapid growth, you have a concern. How do we perpetuate this culture in a period of rapid growth? If we're about to double the size of employees or we're about to bring in a new company, how do we perpetuate this culture? Well, I believe values are an essential part to that. Now, I got to say a couple of things here because, you know, I know some of you. And I know who some of you are. If you're listening at this moment, you just rolled your eyes. You're thinking, oh, no, another values conversation. Somebody else that's going to talk about values and why we need to go through some values exercise, create a list of words and hang them on the wall. You're not going to hear that from me. If you think values are just a list of words hanging somewhere on a wall, you're doing it wrong. And you're failing to tap into the real value of values. So let's talk about the wrong approach a moment. This where folks just come up with words. And I remember a day, I mentioned this on a previous episode of the podcast, I walked into this wonderful organization. And it was impressive, but they had this huge mural on the wall. And there were probably 25 or 30 words, words that we would all agree to. Well, the problem is if you just use words, you're probably using words that everybody else is using, and you're probably also using words that have different meaning to everyone you ask, how do they understand those words? Let me tell you, let me illustrate this a little bit. Booz Allen Hamilton did a research project and found that of all of the companies in North America, I believe was the scope of the project, that had values, 90% of them mentioned integrity, 88% mentioned a customer commitment, and 76% mentioned teamwork or trust. So all of them had the same words, and in many cases, the words exist only on the wall and are never personified anywhere else. So let me flip this a moment before we go into this conversation further. Let me ask you to think of a company you admire for their values. I'm wondering who comes to mind and where and how do you see or experience those values in action? And have you ever stopped to think, okay, what was the process that this company went through, that they articulated these are the values that are most important to us, and here is what these values look like in action, and they take it further to go, here's how we hire people, bring people into the company that already believe in these values, And then we help them integrate and activate these values on a daily basis. Now, that's pretty amazing, right? When you start and look at it that way and it brings values to life. Now, let me illustrate this. This is one of my favorite stories. And this goes back a few years now. I was on a trip, a multi-day trip to the West Coast, Vancouver, Washington, to be exact. And I arrived at the hotel. It was the Heathman Lodge, this beautiful lodge that looks like it would be somewhere in the Pacific Northwest outdoorsy. And it's right across from the Vancouver Mall in downtown Vancouver. Beautiful, beautiful facility. And I check in. And I ask about the room and I ask, you know, did they get the king room that I had arranged? And like, no, actually, there was a problem with the room and and you don't have the room that you requested. I'm like, oh, okay. They said, we do have one room that we could make available to you. And it was a handicapped room. They're like, will you be fine with a handicapped room? I'm like, yeah, I'll be great with a handicapped room. Except when I got in the room, there was no desk, no table, nothing. So I call and I go, OK, I'm going to be here for several days. It's West Coast. I live on East Coast time. Even when I'm traveling on West Coast, I really need somewhere to work every morning before I go to the conference I was there to speak at. Do you have any other rooms? And they're like, no, Mr. Monroe, I'm sorry. We're filled up. Well, that was disappointing news, but I hung up, went ahead, and unpacked everything in my room, hung the you know suits up in the closet. And then a few minutes later, there was a knock at the door. And I opened the door, and there's a young man there, Bellman, and he said, Mr. Monroe, we came up with another room. Here's the key, and may I help you move your stuff? I brought a luggage cart. Now, if you've traveled any amount of time, you know that from time to time, things just happen. Something's not right with your room. The air conditioner heater doesn't work, or the room wasn't serviced. So, instantly, Something is standing out to me. I'm recognizing there's something different here. They've gone to some great length to figure out room situation. Then, rather than calling me up, which this has always been my experience, someone from the front desk calls and says, hey, Mr. Monroe, we've got that room change that you requested. If you'll come down to the front desk, give us the key, we'll give you the key, and you can make the swap. And it's always been pretty much on my own to make that move. So here's a bellman offering to make that change happen. And it was a delightful experience. Well, I was there to speak at a conference. And a little later that afternoon, I went down to the conference desk and there was Jay Keith, the gentleman on our team that managed registration. So I'm talking to him about the meeting that's upcoming. And we traveled to a lot of these meetings together and he was always part of the support team. And then I looked down and on the table was this green round button and it said service. And I'm like, Jay Keith, what's that button? He said, oh, it's the service button. I said, what do you mean? He said, they told me if I need anything, I just push the button and they come to me. And I'm like, push the button. He said, I don't need anything. I said, yeah, let's see how it works. So he pushes the button. And in just a moment, this gentleman comes up. He said, what do you need? And I said, well, we don't really need anything, but I'd really like to know how this button works. And he tells me that it's Uh, tied into their two-way radio system and that the way they are trained is whoever is closest to the room needs to respond and see what it is that the client wants at that moment. I'm like, this is amazing. He said, yeah, we don't want clients, you know, having to go find a phone, call us and try to get somebody. We want to come to you. At that moment, I took a picture of the button, looked up on Twitter, the Heathman Lodge Twitter account, and just Tweeted the picture of the button and said, my gosh, this is amazing. Love the service we're receiving here. Well, in just a few moments, I get a response to the tweet. The vice president of revenue development for the hotel responds to my tweet. And he said, thanks for the compliment. And I said, hey, I'd really like to learn more. How is it that these things happen the way they happen here? And he said, I happen to be at the location you're at, you want to meet. So I go to the front desk and Brian comes around, we connect, we stay connected. It's been six years now. We're still friends on Twitter. We sit down and I said, Brian, I told him about the experience at check-in with the desk. Now, what I didn't tell you is that behind the front desk is a cappuccino machine. So the moment you check in, they're asking you, would you like a cappuccino or a coffee, something? And they brew it for you fresh. You know, these amazing type of experiences, And then I'm telling him about the bellman. I'm telling him about the service button and the conference staff. And I said, how does this happen? What is it that's so unique here? And he starts telling me about their Heathman Lodge treaty. And he actually went back into the office, got a copy and brought it out and said, here, let me show you this. And he shows me this treaty. And here's what it reads. The Heathman Lodge treaty service as a culture As a team, we will always maintain the following values. And then they go down a list of values. We are here for the customer. Our lodge is clean. We are all accountable for cleanliness. We are consistent. Every guest should have an excellent experience every time. We are friendly. We smile and warmly greet each person we encounter. Our character is genuine. And it goes on there. There are a few other items on the list. And then the second piece he gave me was the pre-hire criteria, and he explains that when someone comes to apply for a job, the first thing they are given is the Heathman Lodge Treaty, and then they're given this pre-hire criteria that says – As an unexpected urban retreat, the Heathman Lodge offers travelers to and locals from the Portland-Vancouver area a blend of heartfelt service, business amenities, and rustic mountain lodge comfort. Now, there's another line on down in it that said, the whose job is it story is something we will never let happen here. We added to the story. It's everyone's job to satisfy every customer every time. We will always go out of the way for our guests. A couple of more paragraphs down. And then it says, if you've read the treaty service as a culture and would now like an application, please sign below and return to the Human Resources Office. Thank you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I asked Brian and Brian says, uh, yeah, you can actually share this with others if you'd like, because this was amazing. Here is a company that took their values to heart and then developed their values and use their values for training and for recruitment. Now, folks, I believe that is the gold standard of what it means to be a values-based organization. So how do you do it? How do you bring values to life in your organization? Well, there are three things that I think are really important. One is that you personalize the values, that the values become an expression of who you are and what's different in your organization or business. So you personalize the value. And if you really want to see the real benefit of values, it's how you begin to use them, how your team begins to use them to make decisions. So if values are rank ordered, they know what's most important to use when making a decision and you're not there with them. And then operationalize it. Put values into action. Get them off the wall and into the hearts and heads of your team. So unless and until values translate into behaviors and beliefs, the benefit of values will either be marginalized or minimized. So if you do this work with values right, I believe it will be some of the most important work you do and will have the greatest impact at establishing your culture and perpetuating your purpose. It will become the criteria for hiring. It will allow you you and your team to make decisions. And perhaps what's most important, it gives you the compass to make it right when something goes wrong or When you get it wrong, and we all get it wrong from time to time, but having values in place allows you to know what to do to make it right. So, then if you've done all of that, activate, integrate, celebrate. We'll say more about that in future episodes. Or if you want to go in a deeper dive discussion, conversation with me, we'll talk about that. Now, I want to introduce my friend Hagen. Hagen Kern is a purpose powered entrepreneur. He owns Junk King, Chicago downtown. Junk King's a franchise. He owns the Chicago downtown franchise. Hagen is a friend of mine. He's also the husband of Christy Kern. You'll hear him mention that at some point, I'm sure. And Christy, you probably know, works with me on a lot of the projects I do, and it's how I originally got to know Hagen. So here we go, sitting down to talk with Hagen about values and a purpose statement in action. Well, Hagen Kern, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sure. Hey, give us a brief overview of your business.
1: I own a business called Junking Chicago Downtown, which is a full-service junk removal business. So we basically service the downtown and immediate townships surrounding Chicago and the south of Chicago for junk removal, which means basically you book an appointment with us. We come out with a truck and two trained gentlemen who are basically then giving you an estimate about the items you would like us to remove. They tell you what it's going to cost for us to remove those items. If you like the price, then we take those items from wherever they are. They can be in your attic, in your basement, in your garage. We put them in our truck. We sweep up. We take payment. And we go our ways.
0: Okay. And Junk King is a franchise. You are a franchise owner. Is this correct?
1: Correct. We own the Junk King Chicago downtown market in Chicago area. In the Chicagoland area are currently three franchisees. We're being one of the youngest within Chicago. Nationwide, we have uh, just over 105 at the moment.
0: Okay. So, Hagen, where does purpose fit into your vision for the business?
1: Purpose, from my point of view, gives our employees and ourselves as the owners a clear, defined objective of what we want to achieve with this business. It's not just about making money. It is truthfully, what do we bring to the table? What are we actually solving? What are we? For, or what do we stand for? That's really where the purpose for me comes in, that we can relate this to our employees, and our employees can also relate this to our customers.
0: Okay, so purpose, as I understand it, has always been part of the picture for you all. But it's just recent that you've begun formalizing this into a purpose statement and values, which is what we're here to talk about today, right? But this is relatively new in formalizing it?
1: Correct. So we've just been about just over two and a half years on business now. And we always had a purpose with why did we buy into this franchise? Why did we open this business? And we clearly have values which we personally stand for with our character. We've never really, how to say, Formalize them in a first attempt to communicate them properly towards our employees and to help them understand what are we actually, as owners of junking, what do we actually want to do besides just earning money? Okay. So we've actually recently started doing this in May, June of this year because of a few issues within our company where we had to, which led to quite a bit of high turnover, where we said, like, we can't always have high turnover. We got to figure out how to find the right people for our type of business, which is clearly physically involved, but still we want to find the right people who want to be with us and who stand behind our purpose and our values and like identify with that or with them to make sure that they represent my or our business the way we want it to be represented.
0: Okay. Now I love this. And for you listening One of the reasons why Hagen and I are having this conversation, or one of the reasons I invited Hagen into this discussion today, is that they're early in this process. It's easy to talk about companies that have had vision and values, or purpose as part of their vision and values for years, and you just think, well, gosh, we could never do that. You know, they've done it from the beginning. Well, here's Hagen a franchise owner buying into a franchise that gives you the opportunity to bring your purpose to the business and integrate values. And it is a relatively early exercise or early part of the journey for you. So tell us, what was this like? How did you start beginning to articulate once you realized, hey, we believe articulating our purpose and values will help us stabilize some of the issues that we're having in business, specifically turnover. What was the process like? What did you begin doing to formalize those values?
1: Well, so to back up there for a minute, I come out of the corporate automotive world. So having an organization's vision statement or mission statement is not foreign to me. The thing is with an organization. In an automotive world, which is usually clearly larger companies, multiple thousand employees, to make the mission or vision statement of a company relatable to every single employee is a challenging task. And so we've been trying to figure out, you know, I mean, let's say I was in finance and controlling before in the automotive world. And the mission statement of the company I was working for, let's assume it was we want to be the number one automotive parts supplier in the world. Well, how does that relate to me in accounting and finance? What does it matter to me? I said in Mexico before, what does it matter to me that the company based out of Germany wants to be the largest automotive parts supplier in the world? Okay, yeah, probably I'm somewhere part in this, but how do I actually, right. how does my work make an impact in that vision mission? So vision and mission for me is always too far away from what I've experienced coming out of the corporate automotive world, it's too far away for most of the employees if you're not like managerial level. Absolutely. You wanted to do this differently then? Correct. So I've experienced the too high fly side, basically being, I don't know, 6,000 feet above ground. You know, This is what the company overall is striving to achieve. Yeah, okay, I'm based in Mexico with 1,500 people on the plant and the gentleman at the line there what does he care? Right. Like, how does this mission or vision influence his day-to-day work? And I feel like that's where most organizations miss out to actually define a purpose statement and with the purpose statement, then values which relate to that purpose so that the people on the ground who are actually doing the work on a day-to-day basis actually have something to relate to. And I think that's where my wife and I, Christy, started looking, okay, what else is there besides a vision and mission? Yeah, I want to be the biggest junk removal company in Chicago. Do my employees care about this? No, because they want to make sure that they have enough money in their bank account to pay and cover their bills and grow with me. So do they care what my overall vision is or mission for this company? Probably not so much because they're not the owners.
0: Right. So purpose, on the other hand, you created a purpose statement that you believe everybody involved with the company can see their part in and their connection to and how they make that come to life on a daily basis, right?
1: Absolutely. That's the first intent with this. Yeah. So we've started with this. And again, as you correctly pointed out, we've just started with this. So we gave it a first try and a purpose statement from my point of view will evolve over the years, the more you discuss this within the team. So you want to make sure your team buys into that, your employees give you feedback on that so that they actually 100% can identify this and stand behind that. So our first purpose statement, if I may, I will just read it out to you real quick so that people understand what we're talking about. Here.
0: Before you do, and I want you to do that, but I love this, that you're saying purpose, while you're the owner of the company, purpose is something that everybody in the company participates in in benefits from. from my
1: point of view yes because yeah. otherwise what's the gentleman who's hauling right now junk out of somebody's basement what's his buy in in me becoming potentially one of the bigger junk removal companies in chicago right like what does it do him any good what does he benefit from how like how do i engage him into helping me grow my business become towards the way I want it to become to, but by having him buy into the whole thing. I mean, what's his takeaway?
0: So I love it. It's our purpose and everybody is a stakeholder in the purpose and the purpose will evolve. Yeah. Now let's hear that purpose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, please bear with me. This is our first attempt. So it might sound a little cheesy or a little salesy which, again, as we said, this will have to be refined over the next years. It's an evolving process. We just wanted to get started somewhere. So our team's purpose is to solve our community's junk problems in a way that is environmentally friendly and makes every client feel respected. Why do we say that? Because at Junking, we pride ourselves of being the greenest junk remover in the business. So recycling is one of the biggest things for us. On the other side is... We go to people's homes and businesses every single day. So we want to make sure that our client is feeling that we treat their property and themselves as best as we want to be treated in the sense. Okay. You know, we want to leave their property and them feeling as respected as we can. Basically, the same way as we always say, the way you want to be treated, make sure you treat everybody else surrounding you.
0: Okay. So this is the purpose statement. Correct. And you felt it was important, and I agree, but you feel it's important that that purpose statement be attached to or connected to values that help that purpose statement come to life in the organization.
1: Absolutely. I mean, because the values are the thing I feel like we all stand for. Okay. How we do business on a day-to-day basis, how we interact, the the teams are between each other. You know, that's always In our business, we bring a big truck, a big red truck where we put the items in, but we do this always with a team of people. So at least two, if not three. So they got to work together. They got to communicate between each other. They got to communicate with me of being the dispatcher on a day to day basis, but also on the front end with the customer. They got to basically price out how much it's going to cost, you know, and do the work, make sure the customer's happy, do a walkthrough, ask them actively what they can do. So there has to be values of how you do your day-to-day while trying to live up that purpose statement. And our values, if you want me to, I can run through them real quick. Please. We have defined in total seven values. First and foremost, the first, like we haven't ranked them in a sense by importance, but they slightly are. So foremost is honesty honesty between each other because as you know when you do physical hauling you know things can happen we can scratch up a wall we can damage something so you know we got to own up to this we got to make sure we don't leave the customer not telling him that we did something for him to find out i mean how would that make you feel probably we did a great job hauling it everything out but at the end of the day the customer only remembers that we walked away not informing him about the damage next thing is integrity how do you go about doing business Third one is respect, respect for each other, respect for the customer, respect for us as an organization. How do we treat each other? Fourth one is timeliness. We go by customer appointment. So being on time to work every day is a very important factor for us because the customer books appointments with us. So if we're already starting late in the morning for going out to the first appointment, we're going to be late for the rest of the day. Clear and open communication. Don't talk around a certain subject. Address it as it is. Try and be factual about it, not blaming somebody or putting blame onto somebody. Leave the emotions out of it. Fix one, attention to detail. If we do a bigger job, make sure we sweep up. Make sure we help the customer if they have one piece now, which they wanted to have from the bedroom moved into the living room. Well, for sure, we wouldn't get paid for that necessarily because it doesn't end up in our truck, but we're not going to say no to that. And then go in the extra mile, just making sure overall you leave the customer with the overall satisfaction, asking him to do a walkthrough with you. Is it really everything he wanted to get rid of? Did we take everything? Are there any other questions we can help him with?
0: Okay. This is a great list. How did you decide this was your list? These were the values that you wanted to incorporate and integrate into Junk King, Chicago, downtown.
1: Well. A large number of these values are personally very important to me. So, a large number of these, like honesty, integrity, and respect, is something I just I don't want to work with people who don't honor that. And then, timeliness is something which comes with the business. And same, clear and open communication. I'm from Germany originally, so I don't like fluffy talk. So I try to always address that, basically, keep it factual, keep the emotion out of it, but address it so that we can address the problem right from the get-go and don't lose time over doing it or potentially miss the point on either side. Same attention to detail and going the extra mile probably came with the definition out of what we do. That's just how we, we are a service business. I would say we probably even a luxury service because most people who have a neighbor or a friend could probably do it themselves. But here, it's important for us that we deliver excellence with what we do. So attention to detail and going the extra mile just came out of what we want to stand for as a business.
0: Okay. So you've said you're new in this process, early in this journey. Correct. Sure. What have you done yeah. to introduce these values and integrate them into the business up to this point?
1: So when we started this, the first thing we did with the purpose and the values was to integrate them into our hiring application. So when you come to my office, I invite you for an interview. The first thing I'm going to give to you is and I'm going to give you a four page job application. And the first page of that clearly lays out our purpose statement and our values. And it says, in the second to last sentence says, if you can't relate to those, please don't waste your time and please do not sign up. Because those are going to be the values we live and strive by and evaluate by. So we will always relate back, no matter what situation arises, we will always, or I will always try and relate back to these values. Even in team meetings in the mornings, once in a while, we basically have guys pick one value at a time and explain it in their own words what it means to the whole team.
0: Okay, so first thing you did was integrate it into hiring.
1: You know why? Because I mean, once you have the people in your organization, you wanna hire by the character and bring the right people into your organization. He might not be the fittest guy, but he might represent the right values, which you find out during the job application to make sure that basically you build the values from each person up inside your team.
0: Absolutely. But you're not just limiting it to the hiring. So now with the existing team, no. and in part of regular team meetings, you start having discussions and you're engaging them in the discussion. What does this look like for you? What does it mean to us? So it's not just these are the company values pushed down from the top, but everybody's given an opportunity to buy in and to explain and articulate what it means to us, how we do our job on a daily basis.
1: Correct. And on the second path, like from my point of view, you got to bring the values to the first point of contact with a potential new employee. So that was for me the most important part to start with. But then right after we basically defined each value on a single poster. I think they're 24 by 36 and hung them up in our changing area. We have an area where there's a fridge and some lockers and a table and some chairs where the guys can change and put their stuff away for the day in their lockers. And basically they look at these values every single day. And then when we have team meetings at that table in that area and trainings, we, I make sure we address those values just to reiterate and just repeat and when there's a situation coming up where potentially we had a miscommunication with the customer or we underquoted or overquoted the job i'm always trying to go back and relate them to those values i mean it's easy to go back and say like well Do you think we did our best in clear and open communication? Do you think we really were like within our two-hour arrival window? So were we within our timeliness factor? Or did we sweep up after the job when we were done? Because sometimes we have to dismantle the furniture pieces. So sometimes a couple of screws fall out or, you -hmm. know, have we always lived up to our values on every single job? And I mean, some of our guys, they do anywhere between three to seven appointments a day. So they see uh, multiple different customers. And so it is important that they have those values top of mind. That's why we decided to hang them up in our warehouse and define each value with a little more detail to it.
0: Okay, so Hagen, what's happened or is happening as a result of you embracing and beginning to
1: incorporate and express these values? So what's happening is that difficult situations which are arising are easier to handle because I'm just relating back to the values. I'm not trying to get upset about them. I'm just saying, so guys, now with this situation, can you tell me if we related to all of our values correctly? And most of the times, that's the point when, you know, the heads go down a little bit and we can see, okay, and guys own up to the fact that, yeah, maybe we didn't. And we can address it in a very different manner than we used to before. And I don't have to be you know, the bad guy, in a sense, we can address it on a equal level to each other. You know, the guys already know when they reflect on that situation. Yeah, we probably didn't go the extra mile on this one. Or we didn't hold up the honesty value because we didn't inform the customer before we walked away that we scratched something up. Mm -hmm. So they know already. I mean, these are basic, relatable values. If you can't uphold those, then it's going to get hard to keep a
0: job. Okay. And recently, you had an opportunity to share your journey with values with the other Junk King owners around the country, right?
1: Yeah, that was by chance, basically. So once a year, we have a Junk King corporate conference where all the owners come together once a year. And this year, the motto was from the franchisee. So basically, this year, they turned it around and asked all the franchisees in the system who are going to the conference or who were attending if they wanted to present and share some of their experiences or topics they feel like would benefit to all the others who are there attending. And funny enough, the CEO of the Junkin corporate unit opened up with building company culture. And so we did not know that he would open up with that topic specifically, but that's exactly what this is for me. Like overall, why are we talking about purpose and why are we talking about values? Because for me, it is important to start working on a culture within my business so that people understand when they enter here and when they try out for a day on the truck, that they understand this is what is expected of me. This is what they live by. This is what they breathe and do every day. Mm. So yeah, we presented that. We got pretty good feedback on it. It was easily relatable to all of the franchisees. And actually, a lot of them came back and asked for, can we piggyback on that? Can you send us those posters? Can you send us your hiring application so that we can then apply that to our own organization?
0: So your work is having the result of inspiring and encouraging others to incorporate purpose and values into their work.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I don't want them to go through the high turnover we had because of we never communicated our values correctly beforehand. So yeah, I hope it does. I believe some of them have taken it over. We just basically shared it for everybody out there. And that's why I love the opportunity to come on with you and also share about this because I truly believe if you don't put some sort of relatable step in for your guys, for your employees, to basically relate to what you're trying to achieve, then it's going to be hard to keep them and motivate them to actually do the day-to-day work in the excellence and superiorness you want them to do.
0: Well, Hagen, thanks so much for joining us. And I appreciate what you shared. And I look forward to staying aware of the journey and getting some updates. And I know that will happen because of our friendship. So thanks for joining us today, Hagen. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, as you heard from Hagen, this work with purpose and values, while it's always been near and dear to their hearts, it's just becoming to take formation and come to life in their business in a structured and formal kind of way. So, there are a couple of reasons that I'm so glad Hagen joined me today. One of those is to Hear about this from somebody that's early stages in doing the work. I know some people think that from time to time, some of the organizations that I've interviewed and profiled here on the Higher Purpose podcast, you may be tempted to believe they're so much further down the road than you are that how will we ever get there? Folks, you get there one step at a time. So that's what's so important for me to include this, highlight the work, the great work Hagen and Christie are doing with Junk King Chicago Downtown, that as Hagen said, they have 11 employees. As Hagen also said, you don't have to be a big company to do this, that actually smaller companies can do this and incorporate it early and get the benefit of it. So that's why we're having this conversation. I want it to be an encouragement to you and to inspire you wherever you're at on the journey, that it's not too early, nor is it too late to bring purpose to fruition in and through your work. I want to invite you to a conversation. If some of this, this talk about values, this talk about culture. So if this resonates with you, but you're wondering what's the next step to take, well, I've got a free resource for you. Go to 28daysprint.com, 28, number 28daysprint.com, and download the Value of Values worksheet. It will help you consider where you're at in this journey and how to bring values to life in your organization. If you need help, let me hear from you. I want to help you work with you individually or in a small group of other purpose-powered business owners to bring values to life in your organization. Hey, until next time, it's Kevin Monroe, and I'm encouraging you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Are you using your values effectively in your company? Defining and communicating them clearly can have a huge impact. Find out more at 28daysprint.com.
1: That's 28daysprint.com.